0: (laughs) carnivorous couch it happens once a week it swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep it forces us to watch a film about which we then speak carnivorous couch with Brady and Rob Hey everybody, hey everybody,
1: hey everybody. Welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch. Thanks for joining us. This week we did 2015's Sean Baker film, Tangerine. There
2: you go, you got it.
1: Oh, there is somebody else here. Sorry, I was just going to act like, I, you know, like it was just me this time.
2: Oh, how how long do you think you could have kept that up?
1: Well, barring any interruptions, (laughs) (laughs) that other voice you hear over there is the always present Brady.
2: Call me the interrupter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Rob, of course, and so we're doing the thing. We are, we are, we're gonna review
2: Tangerine, Sean Baker, a filmmaker I am, I am into.
1: I, I like him too. Um, I mean, the first note I have here, because I took them today, a week after we watched the movie, um, was the movie poster is very bright, much like the colors in his films.
2: Yeah, that's. Oh, I should note that because yeah, he is bright, and I think there's something something to that.
1: Well, he does a lot of stuff with color, both in this film and in Florida Project, which I know you're a big fan of.
2: Right, which I would say maybe even more color saturated. Uh, anyway.
1: So yes, uh, we watched the movie, and I was. Uh, I didn't get much sleep before we watched the movie, so. <laughs> So a movie that's shot entirely on iPhone fives, <laughs> uh, that's a, a little shaky be, sometimes because of that. There's a little bit of a Blair Witch effect occasionally. They they do, they do a pretty good job, um, and you know the camera lenses and those things are pretty goddamn good. So it looked pretty good. But then there's also a, a lot of a bit of music dubstep and a lot of shouting. Yeah, uh, and a lot of just <laughs> just you know. <laughs> Freaking people uh, on the street, the way they interact with each other, is to basically shit talk.
2: Like, you'd be <laughs> relaxing into it and enjoying it, and then a scene would be punctuated with like,
0: Oh, fuck <laughs> that, bitch!
2: "I'm oh, no, hell now bitch! <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, wow.
0: That kind of
1: thing would happen. So I'm, I'm just going to titch you down. You're you're pretty quiet already, Brady, but I'm going to titch you down a little bit because that...
2: What, that, because I'm going to do Cinderella impressions?
1: Well... <laughs> that can be a problem with, <laughs> with audio, as we know you, uh, you have a, a large variance in the volume of your voice. I do. I really do.
2: So, I believe we agreed that I was going to plot synopsize. Yes. Which I'm happy to do, because I don't think it's too hard to describe this. This movie takes place on Christmas Eve in Los Angeles.
1: Exactly, and that's the reason we picked it. We followed up a Christmas movie, Night of the Comic, with another Christmas movie.
2: Unconventional Christmas movie.
1: Yeah, because it's May 31st, so that's the right time to do Christmas movies.
2: So, we open in a West Hollywood donut shop. Uh, Do you remember the name of it?
1: Uh, no, I had it. it I think it matter. I think it's just donut time.
2: Oh, you're right. It's, uh, you do remember. It. It's donut time. We open in donut time with kind of an aerial view of a diner table. And I believe what's the uh, song that plays over it because it's a Christmas song?
1: Well, I did write down that we open with this glamorous title sequence, you know, kind of very uh, classic style. Uh, I know you're doing the plot synopsis, but then it cuts straight to donuts, which will well, we'll foretell some of the more discussion we're gonna have here by me saying, that's their glamor, they're splitting a donut.
2: That is their glamor, <laughs> which is, it's a great opening shot, because yeah, I think it's like the Formica table or whatever with nothing on it, and we're just, we have that as the credits play, and I think as, it probably Toyland, is the song that plays.
1: Toyland is the song that later um, uh, Alexandra sings.
2: She does. I think it's also maybe our opening credit song. Okay. It's a Christmas song. And as the credits end, then yes, a hand reaches out a a small, humble, little round cake donut, I think they're called, right? Just your standard pink sprinkle kind of deal. And we uh, meet our two main characters transgender sex workers in West Hollywood one of them I believe is Puerto Rican and the other is black their names are Cindy Rella uh, played by I think her name is Kiki Rodriguez is uh, the actress
1: Kiki is right and then it's like a hyphenated yeah double name.
2: I'm sorry I've messed up the hyphenate and then Alexandra is black and I think her actress's name is Maya Taylor
1: Maya Taylor yes
2: yes and they're meeting, and it's it's a very uh, happy meeting because Kiki, or no, sorry, Cindy, Cinderella, has just gotten out of jail. Now we don't find this out till later, but the reason she was in jail is she was caught in possession of narcotics, which she was actually holding for her boyfriend, uh, or fiance, as we later find out. I'm skipping ahead on that. Her fiance Chester, who is a local drug dealer. And so she held it for him out of love, so he wouldn't bah. get that.
1: Thank you, Steve. Uh, the the name uh, is is Katana Kiki Rodriguez.
2: Ah, yes, Katana Kiki Rodriguez. So anyway, she was in jail. Steve, for, pulled that up for us. Thank we have a you, producer Steven. finally again. Thank you, Steven. Thank you. Uh, so she was holding, <laughs> <laughs> holding some narcotics for Chester as a sign of love, because if Chester goes to jail, since he's running, I guess the entire drug operation. Uh, and is also, I think, Kiki's, uh, I'm sorry, I keep calling her by the actress's name, uh, Cindy's pimp. Yes. Or, or, you know, the one who helps her get deals. It's, uh, it would it's unclear to
1: operation. me if, if uh, he's her, her pimp. I don't know if Alexandra and her um, kind of act outside of his domain.
2: It's unclear to me, too. Uh, I think they, they might be, like, business-affiliated at the very least.
1: Yeah, but we don't need to put that in we the plot synopsis to. yet because uh, Chester doesn't even show up till like the show very up end. To the
2: very end, he's yeah. he's really the what would you call that? It's not like
1: anyway. I would call him kind of uh, first season Breaking Bad Jesse. Okay.
2: okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so she's been in jail for two months. She just got out of county.
1: Twenty-eight days. Or
2: Twenty-eight days. Thank which
1: you. she was, so she was probably in for mandatory uh drug uh court. That right? sounds They right. they said you have to go to drug court for 20 28 days is your normal rehab right. blah blah blah. Like I took it to mean that it it could just be, uh eh, it's been 28 days and that's uh has nothing to do with zombies or drug court, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it was that. She got caught holding, so she got sent away for 28 days.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: and has now been released. Sorry, I'm interrupting.
2: No, no, it's okay. So, she's back, and naturally, she's happy to see her friend, but she wants to know where Chester is. She wants to know where her boyfriend fiancé is. It's Christmas Eve. It's the time you spend time with your loved ones, and Alexander's kind of trying to minimize. She's like, maybe you don't want to see him, and... Accidentally lets it slip that Chester in the short time that Cindy's been away in prison in jail uh, has been cheating on her.
1: Well so I actually think the way this went was uh, Cindy's like I got a secret that I've been holding that I'm going to tell you about Chester and she's like oh you're going to dump his ass because the motherfucker has right. been cheating and she was actually going to say we're getting married.
2: Yes that's correct.
1: So yeah it's kind of Yeah, (laughs) that's not a good conversation to have. That's not a good reintroduction back to your life.
2: And so this sends Cindy uh, into the main propulsive plot of the film, which is she is on the hunt for Chester, and she is going to fuck up anyone who gets in her way until she can find this dude and give him a good bollocking. A British term that is not uttered in this film. (laughs) So... And Alexandra's like, oh shit. And what's instantly clear, something I really like in the performances, is these are very diametrically positioned characters. Uh, Alexandra is, is a very calm, kind of world weary sort. And uh, Cindy is hell on wheels. She's she fierce, as they say.
1: Cindy, I would say, is um, chaotic.
2: Chaotic and, chaotic and fierce. Yeah. And if, if anyone does anything to her, she's like, no, get out of here.
1: Yeah, but at this point in time, as we're walking into this world that, you know, it is its own kind of little world. We don't know anything about that. So, you know, when, when she's just talking shit on the street, I don't know if that's just kind of the way the culture goes. Or, like, is this supposed to be her being very confrontational and so forth?
2: Yeah, I... I get the feeling from observing the world that she's one of the more confrontational
1: little column A, little column B. A little Column yeah. B
2: because I think it's a world it's a world on the margins, which is a word that comes up a lot in discussing Sean Baker. He likes to portray marginalized communities, people you don't often see in your daily lives and people trying to make their living in a way that uh, our society doesn't make easy, you know, sex work in this case, drug dealing as well. And so um, I think to get by in this world, you hustle. So there is, like, I think you see there's just, like, a hustler's ethos to anyone who wants to survive doing this, even if your hustle happens to be, like, Alexandra's more calm and more just like, oh, this is my job, and i
1: well, i to do this. I'll jump in with a quote that uh, we'll come back to later when we're talking about it. But in this conversation where she goes, she goes, look, man, all men cheat and seven. She says, uh, our... Um, out here, it's all about our hustle, and that's it. That's it. So. And everyone's hustle
2: might be a little different. And Cindy's is a, a very, a very vocal hustle. And so we see she's going around roughing everyone up. She's, try, she's on a detective's case. She's trying to hunt down the clues to find Chester. Finally, she finds one of his distributors, I think, at a laundromat. Or no, Ian, at a burrito Ian place. Edwards. Ian, and, and what else is he in? He's a comedian. Okay, you, do you know him from podcasts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard him on a podcast or two, but he's also a comic. Okay, he's, he's British. Oh, he's British. Uh,
2: so he's he's no British not British in this. But <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, so he is waiting in a burrito place where you know is his base of operations for selling drugs. And she goes to him, and she's like, "Where the hell's Chester?" And she, he's kind of not wanting to tell her anything, but she eventually—I'm not sure how she does it. She eventually kind of wrestles it out of him then beats it with his last cigarette.
1: Yep. (laughs) She takes his last cigarette. Oh, come on, you need a new pack.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so her attitude right now, she's jilted. And even if you help her, she might just tell you to fuck yourself anyway. It's Christmas. Everyone's really stressed.
1: (laughs) Good way to put it.
2: Even in drug dealer world. And so eventually, you know, she's going all around West Hollywood. She's staking out the bus stop, but that takes too long, so she's just like, fuck it. She's hopping the subway, and finally she gets the idea, or someone gives her the idea, to go to one of the local motels where, you know, a big group sex operation is happening.
1: I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a a matron runs it, and there's a a bunch of, uh, because... Well, so the thing that we didn't say is when she lets slip that Chester's been fucking around, he says it's with a fish. Which is uh, the cultural term there and the culture that we're living in for, uh, you know, she, she's got a real vagina. Yes. So.
2: Yes, yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, and so she finds the woman at this motel. The woman's name is Diana. She's a skinny, blonde lady.
1: Yeah, and at the time that uh, that Cindy goes in there, she doesn't even know her name. She just knows it starts with a D, because that's all that Alexandra could tell her.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so she's just walking like, who's the bitch whose name begins with D? <laughs> yeah, that,
2: that's the thing. This movie has a very funny energy, because she's like s- throwing out names that aren't Dinah. It's like, oh, what was it? Like, Dolores? Was it Donna? And people are like, I see what
0: Dee-dee? you're
2: doing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, just tell me. And so she finds her and she grabs her by the hair and takes her out into the streets of los angeles Uh, and what's funny is like then she kind of becomes her prisoner but it's like they both have to exist together until they find chester so they're kind of like elbowing each other it's like oh shoot we're we're chained to each other's side now until we get this all sorted out. Yeah,
1: and we as the viewer actually at this point don't even know if she's got the right person. We don't. <laughs> so there's that sort of thing going like, uh, is she just causing drama as Alexandra says? But uh, hey, don't cause no drama. As soon as there's drama, I'm out. Um, and we haven't touched on the sideline that the whole time that she's running around looking for Dinah, who it ends up becoming, uh, Alexandra's running around handing out flyers. Ah uh, yes. Show.
2: She's got a big Christmas Eve performance at a bar.
1: Yes. She's going to sing, and she wants everybody to be there to support her.
2: Well, I shouldn't say big. It's a small performance, but she's paid the open mic people to let her put on a little review.
1: It's a big deal for her.
2: It's a big deal. It's it's what sh- it's what like her Christmas gift to herself, is to be able to do this. She wants her friends around. And also, on the sidelines, we meet a cab driver named Razmik, an Armenian man. Uh, who's driving around? You know, just giving us the local color.
1: Yeah, we kind of have cross cutting with him, and his dealings with people he's picking up. And then and doesn't that?
2: Yeah, and he um, he is into trans sex workers. He doesn't. He's not attracted to people uh, with natural born vaginas. Uh, even though we do find out he is married with a child and a mother in law who's very suspicious of him because he keeps late hours and he's not sticking around on Christmas. He wants to go watch Alexander perform because they, they're friendly. You know, he, they, she performs sex work for him, but they also have kind of a friendly dynamic. They know each other.
1: Let, let's put it this way. Uh, Rosmik has gained uh, credibility in this world by being a good customer.
2: He's a good customer.
1: He's a good customer. He's friendly to them. He, you know, he treats them right. And, uh, you know, it's easy for them to deal with him so whenever they see him they go like this is going to be an enjoyable experience and i'm going to get paid
2: yeah and he's such like a committed customer at this point that when he accidentally ends up uh propositioning someone who's a born a woman uh he tells her like oh no this this isn't where you're supposed to be this is for trans sex workers
1: right so at this point cindy's off at the matrons and alexandra is um we get uh, two scenes, right? One where Alexandra gets picked up. Yeah. And that goes how it goes. And then I'll, I'll let you detail yeah, it in. Uh, And then, yeah. then right afterwards we get Rosmeek picking somebody up.
2: Right. Yeah, and Alexandra gets in a fight with a John who, uh, you know, ends up not wanting to pay her, even though she's already done a bunch of work for him. And so they get in a fight in front of the police officers. And we that's kind of more local color because it's like... Even the police officers have a kind of understanding about when you make an arrest in this situation. And in this case, when it's just like, okay, go your separate ways.
1: Well, well the police kind of seem to know the uh, Alexandra, but they don't really know the John. Right. And because they've had these dealings and stuff, they're more sympathetic because they actually have... There's, They know this person.
2: <laughs> yeah, and they know this situation. They, right. They know... The general gist, so they tell him, okay, you can either uh, make a to-do of this and your family can find out, or you can just get lost. Right. Even though Alexander doesn't get her money, I don't think. So that's too bad for her.
1: Um, I think she grabs the money and leaves, and then that's what the, the altercation's about.
2: Oh, okay, maybe you're right. So anyway, I think that gets us to kind of the people we need to know so at this point, coming back well, to... Then
1: we have the um, the thing that you were talking about before I jumped in, which is Rosmeek uh, picks somebody up on the block where the transgender sex He does, and work. she's a
2: young woman born a woman. Uh, and when he finds out that she doesn't have a penis, he's like, first, like I'm not into that, and secondly, like this isn't where you, you're supposed you're to be. You're on the wrong
1: block. She's new in town, and she's, yeah.
2: Yeah, there are, there are districts for this stuff. Um, so, you know, he's he's a very gentle and knowledgeable keeper of the the borderlands in a way. And so, okay, coming back to Cindy and Dinah. So now they're on the bus. Cindy wants to find Chester, except then she realizes, oh, shit, I'm being a bad friend. I'm supposed to go watch Alexander perform. Okay, this fish is going to have to come with me. Like, I'm, I'm just going to have to bring you along. I'll, we'll watch the performance, then we'll find Chester. Wait, what time is
1: it? Five oh, seventeen. Shit. 517. <laughs> shit.
2: <laughs> so they uh, they go and they make it on time, and they go into the bathroom. They're late,
1: yeah, but uh, Alexandra's getting made up.
2: Yep. And uh, is it crack they smoke in the bathroom? What do yeah. they smoke? Yeah, they smoke crack in the bathroom. Not Alexandra, but Cindy and Dinah do. And there's kind of this testy feeling of like, I hate. I hate this bitch but she's my charge okay she's my charge right now we're stuck together we might as well smoke some crack together and later she's even doing Dinah's makeup Uh, so we'll get to that but there's kind of a feeling that I mentioned where it's like I'm fighting this person I hate them but they're still with me so I guess I just kind of have to deal with them when they're in my orbit uh, you know, a lot of these people are thrown together and have friendly relationships, but some of them are or maybe less so, but that doesn't change the fact that they have to exist together, right? So okay, so Alexandra goes up and performs, which is a lovely scene, I think. Uh, she gives She's a very a beautiful, melancholic version of Toyland. Yeah. Toyland, Toy- Toyland.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and Toyland, 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 Boyland, once you leave you can never go back.
2: Uh, yeah. Once you pass its borders, right. you can never return again. Yes, correct. Uh, and so, they have the performance. It may be a beautiful scene, but it is not a success for Alexandra because the only two people who show up are Cindy and Cindy's prisoner, who she's beat the hell out of. Also, they're high on crack. And she kind of... <laughs> well,
1: well, so they watch the first song and they, they clap it up and then they go, Yeah, it's starting to wear off. Can we go hit it again? Yeah. So they kind of split.
2: So it's, you know, it's a bittersweet moment for Alexandra. But okay, that having been done, they now go off again to find Chester. Uh, And in the meantime, Rosmick's having an argument with his mother-in-law because he wanted to go and watch Alexandra perform as well. He tries, but he's late and he misses them. Uh, And that is what sends him on the way to Donut Time at the same time as Cindy, Alexandra, and Dinah, where they find the Mystery Man. Chester.
1: Chester. And I always have to <laughs> I'll I'll mention him. Um also we're having a slight audio issue, so we're just gonna scoot the couch back a couple inches. Scoot back Brady. Here's that two. There we go. That'll probably fix that. Um at any rate, uh Chester. <laughs> I had an electronics teacher named Chet Farrow. And he said, you know oh, yeah. having the name Chester is some people think it's a, a bad thing, but uh, really, it's a good thing. Who fucked that girl? Chester did. <laughs> it's something he said to us in ninth grade electronics class. Um, so at any rate, when I think Chester, I think of Chet, and uh, of course, and I kind of th- I think this guy uh, registers like a young Chet. Okay, <laughs> who's fucking all these bitches? Chester. <laughs>
2: Who's getting some pink berry? <laughs> Chet. <laughs> um, and rest
1: in it, peace, Chet passed away about a year and a half
2: ago. Yeah, that's sad. I remember him. He was a cool guy. He was great. Uh, so Chester, I really like the reveal of him because when you hear this guy's, you know, he's a drug dealer. He is cheating on there his girlfriend.
1: Go. There you go.
2: You kind of, maybe get some, like, very, like, tough... Like, you don't, you don't know what to expect, and maybe that's on me for expecting anything, but he's a little more um, nuanced and kind of goofy than you expect, which I think, like, lets some tension out of the movie, even as it then immediately starts building the tension back up because everyone is pouring into this donut shop. Uh, for a scene that really reminded me a lot of the kind of uh, left turn of Mistress America... Where, you know, in that movie, once they all end up in this house in Connecticut, it suddenly gets, like, if it wasn't already, even more screwball-y. Where it's just, like, everyone's having side conversations, talking over each other. The woman, the Vietnamese woman running the donut shop is like, I am going to call the fucking police. What are you all doing here? And none of you are buying donuts. <laughs> no, hell? you're
1: just here causing Yelly. a commotion in my business.
2: <laughs> and so we get a great scene, in my opinion, We're just every chicken comes home to roost. Uh, Cindy and Chester make up in spite of the fact that she catches him because Chester gives away that or no, Dinah gives away that, yeah, this is Chester and I was banging him. And but they About ten
1: times. Ten times, yeah. Ten
2: times. But they kind of quash it because that's where we find out actually that they weren't just dating, but we're gonna be engaged. And erasmick ends up showing up but his mother-in-law is trailing him in a cab and she ends up finding out that he's been having affairs with trans prostitutes um and tells his wife uh even though that for some reason i'd remember that being like this tragic ending of like and his life is fucked but it's not quite as cut and dry because the wife is telling the mom like Look, like, it, this isn't easy. I kind of know... There
1: are some times where you turn a blind eye. Yeah. I think it's... it's like, and
2: I know my husband, like, maybe, maybe you're not blowing my mind the way you think you are. So, uh, and, but the big reveal, when they finally get kicked out of the donut shop, is that Chester wasn't only having sex with Dinah. Uh, Chester was having sex with Alexandra. One time.
1: One time. They hooked one up time. one time. But, uh, it was a huge blow. There's uh, one time it meant nothing
2: one time it meant nothing but Chester and both Chester and Diana but especially Chester use that moment to be like okay it's not on me I'm Alexandra I'm gonna heap all this attention onto you and uh, Cindy walks off extremely hurt and she's like okay fine uh, it's Christmas shitty Christmas I'm gonna go back to work and try to pick someone up
1: yeah I think the idea is uh, okay I get it you're sorry now leave me the fuck alone so I can make my money, Yeah, is what she says.
2: You know, the, the Christmas magic, what little there was, has been deflated, so let's just all go to work. Uh, but, uh, very unfortunately, as she approaches a car's open window, uh, some douchey bros throw a cup of urine in Cindy's face. Uh, which is not only disgusting, but also ruins her wig, or soils her wig. So she can't... Her
1: wig and her clothes and stuff. And by the way, these people are broke. Like, throughout the entire movie, Dinah doesn't have any money. They're at... When they're at the thing, they're just like, Can I get you a drink? It's just like, oh, bitch, broke. She don't have any money. Yeah. (laughs) Like, water. It's free, right? Water's free. Okay.
2: Yeah. When we talk about the margins, it's not just the margins of uh, behavioral... Societal behavior, but, yeah, people economically destitute just trying to grind out a living that's a, that's the Baker touch so uh, this forces kind of a reconciliation uh, temporary at least between Alexandra and Cindy because Alexandra takes over is like pulls Cindy into a laundromat helps her to wash the wig and the clothes and the last moment of the film is uh, Alexandra giving her wig to Cindy, so that she can, you know, in this shitty situation, she doesn't have to feel like less of a woman while she waits for her clothes to get clean and her wig to get clean. And that's that's the end of the film. It's it's sort of a, a tentative uh, reconciliation between the two best friends.
1: Yeah, uh, and I think the yeah. wig is a loss.
2: Oh, do you think it's a total loss?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to come out of the dryer. Maybe okay. you're right.
2: Yeah, can you wash like, a wig? I don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I don't think you can wash it in a laundromat. Uh, I mean, if it's, I don't, I don't know how it works. Me neither. I don't have any wigs, but uh, I would imagine if it's if it's a real hair wig, you can wash it like hair. But that if it's not, maybe it don't.
2: And maybe do it's not so because these that. people don't have a lot of of money, probably, to afford the fancy versions of what they need. Yes, I could see that being the case.
1: But the next segment that we do is. Hey, hey, hey! How do we like it, Brady? How did you like this movie?
2: How did I like it? Oh. Well, you did I... most of
1: the talking during the, uh, during the the, the thing, the uh, the plot synopsis. Maybe I should go first.
2: Oh, maybe you should. Okay,
1: I really like this movie. All right. I really liked it the first time I watched it. Um, lying down on the couch back at Lemon Hope, the old place that we used to record and so forth oh and yeah, so on yeah, the old studio Well, I mean, that's when I would watch movies I would kind of make a list of the movies I wanted to see towards the end of the year And then I would, before work, l- you know, get up a little early and lie down and watch movies Now, when we watched it a week ago, I didn't like it as much on the TV screen Mm -hmm. But then I skimmed through it before we did this here podcast So I could actually talk about stuff And um I skimmed through it on my cell phone And I liked it Interesting So being a little out of it um, When we watched it And not sleeping well and this and that And the shakiness that can happen Sometimes with the cell phones Yes um, Doesn't really have a big effect If you watch it on your laptop or you watch it on TV But but, uh, no, if you watch it on TV, it does have a <laughs> bigger effect. At any rate, so those were my feelings of <laughs> this, this. This is a little ba ba da, but um, but no, I think I think it holds up to the first time I watched it. I love the colors. They do. I mean, with an iPhone five, somehow they they got very good, just like saturation.
0: Yeah, um, how do they do that? Well, I mean. Turn up the it.
1: contrast
2: Oh, okay
1: <laughs> Turn down the brightness Turn up the contrast That's how you get that red in there <laughs> <laughs> No, but I mean like um, As Sean Baker is very good at And also this is highlighted Sort of in the Florida Project Which I'm just touching on it Because those are the two movies of them That have seen it I've noticed this You know, if you have a bright red building He does the work to make that red pull out if you have a bright blue building, he does the same there. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to be a director who is very interested in working in color, and then the color serves the um, sort of narrative of what's going on, like uh, you know, if uh, if it's a not a great place and stuff and you're walking past those brick walls, pulling out that brick really really hits.
0: Right, right. You
1: know, uh, if, it's, uh, if you're at the donut shop and you pull out the colors so that, you know, the formica table doesn't look so great, but that, that donut with the mm. various mm-hmm. different colored sprinkles really pops on screen. Yeah. And, you know, he uses that to great effect. Like in that opening scene, it's like, this is a treat for us. And when you see it, like, I'm not a big donut person since I, you know, I can't eat them. Dietary restriction. I know. Um, but that looks like a great fucking donut, and it's just a donut, you know. It's we're both broke. Of course, meal. we're splitting it, bitch. Or we're both broke. Uh,
0: like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, throughout the movie, I don't see them eat, but they ate that fucking donut in the first scene.
2: Yeah. No, I know. Before before everything goes crazy, they break bread, so to speak.
1: So he makes stuff like that pop. Uh, he does a great job uh, of creating this insular world that pretty much holds throughout the entire movie. Is like, this is a world unto itself, and uh, nary shall the real world break in until the end. And that's actually the sort of thing that creates the plot points and and this and that, which is like, you know, Cindy and Alexandra reconcile because, shit, we only got each other. And I mean, it's yeah. bookended by that happening at the end with, you know, them reconciling and helping each other in that beginning quote that I already said, which is, out here it's all about our hustle, and that's it.
2: Well said, Rob, well said. So
1: these are things I like about this movie. Perhaps that I've, like blown my wad on the, uh, <laughs> what's it all about, but. Oh, we haven't um, even
2: gotten to what it's all but, about. But
1: I can go into more depth to do that, so I'll let you do your, hey Brady, how do you like this? Oh wait, I gotta give a grade. Uh, this is a A. This is a flat out, just, you know, wow. 95, 96 it A. It's the
2: big A. I had, did not see this coming. Wow, okay. Let me piggyback off of you, cause like, I like the saturation thing too. I think this is a great movie. I really do, and I uh, agree with you, or I had the same experience as you, in that I think I always liked it. I liked it the first time I saw it uh, back in 2015, and then a couple years ago I showed it to Tess because I wanted Tess to see it so that we could make our, you know, best of the 2010s film montage, which is a work still in progress. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And when I saw it that time, all of a sudden what the first time was kind of maybe seemed a looser assemblage of different parts and i was trying to judge whether this tone and that tone going together because it's a very tonally uh, wild movie i'm not even gonna say jarring it's just tonally extreme (laughs) um all of a sudden that clicked for me and continues to click for me now on subsequent viewings where it's actually kind of amazing what baker is doing to have what's basically a social realist comedy that at one point becomes like a literal screwball like David O. Russell by way of the Marx Brothers thing in that donut shop scene and yet at its heart is also a deeply melancholic and very like soulful and sweet look at uh, two friends trying to eke life out on the margins of society it, so it's it's super impressive, and I think about that saturation thing, because I, this is this is really wild tangent, but like, I remember a scene in Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd, and
1: Okay. it's, it's a very
2: de- desaturated. <laughs> I'm,
1: movie. I'm listening.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll make this case. <laughs> make this <laughs> make sense. I'll make this make sense. Uh, it's just a brief thing. So that's a movie that looks almost entirely black and white, and. In that movie, you have a scene where there's a little blonde kid. You see him, you're like, damn, this this is like the only, like, you know, normal, in quotes, looking little kid in this place. And then he takes off his blonde wig, and he's got black hair. And otherwise, all the colors are blood and urine. Which, to me, I think is like Burton being like, look, like, all this color is fucking fake. The world is like a grim place underneath it all. Like, these colors, they're, they're illusions. They're, they're like the colors of a poisonous insect. It's dangerous, whatever this color is. And Baker...
1: Purple and black. <laughs> Baker, like,
2: uh, doesn't shy away from, like, maybe sinister's too extreme a word, but the fact that his universes have darker elements happening, and I think he is kind of playing in that, like, third-eye blind, semi trammed life kind of way of, like, isn't this bouncy for, like, how sad, how much sadness is under the surface? But what I like is it's not like a glib note of like the color is fake. If anything, the color is very real. And his movies force you to be like, this is a beautiful world, even though it's the kind of world you might like think is ugly if you just drove by it. Like, and like some of the colors are just like fake, like they're billboards, advertising, like whatever. But like, there's both beauty and like, I don't even want to say ugliness, but like grime. It's like beauty and grime married together seems to be a thing that really fascinates him. Uh, and I think that's what this movie's got going on. It's There's a lot of joy. The ending, well, like melancholy, is, I think, an undeniably uplifting one of connection being reformed and and it's Christmas. <laughs> um, but uh, all of that's kind of wrestling with, with the darkness. And the fact that he doesn't try to resolve that darkness too tidily I think makes it... Uh, really rewarding and entertaining and a movie that you can go back to because it's never it's never resolved it's it's there for you to take as much of the darkness and the joy and the humor of it as you as you want I think so I think I still give it an A-minus but it's a great movie it it just it continues to get better as I rewatch it and I am such a Baker fan oh and to answer your question don't feel too bad for uh, only having seen two Sean Baker movies, for I believe there are only two.
1: Yeah, no, I know there's only two. Uh, he would—he's been involved in some other things. I saw from his IMDb credits. But, he worked uh, on
2: Greg the Bunny, in two thousands, a Seth Green show with a a rabbit puppet.
1: I I think he might have acted a bit too. Oh, did he? Um, not sure. I uh, should educate myself on the career of Sean Baker, but mostly I'm just looking forward to more uh, directorial stuff from him because what he's done so far is great, and, uh, you know, he should get the opportunities. <laughs> Me too. Like, I,
2: I think he's literally my most anticipated of his young crop. Like, of people who, who are only like a couple films into their career, He's my he's my number one guy. He's my number one.
1: Well, the next segment we do here, we'll 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 try this. If I, if I point at me, I'll, I'll do what's it. If if uh, you I point at you, you say what's it. Okay, right.
0: What's it? Oh. What's it all about? What's it? What's it? What's it? What's it? What's it? What's it all about?
1: <laughs> I think that's as good <laughs> of, of an intro as we got, Brady. What's uh, um, I'm sure you have thoughts on what this movie is all about, but I'm gonna uh, kind of take off on something that you just said in in your how do you yes, like girl. it? Um, with, I think it's about joy. Hmm. I think um, so, some of what you were saying is like yes, there's a lot of grime, but you know we open with this shot of of them finding the moment of joy, and mm-hmm. um, this the the whole side plot of Alexandra is trying to find her performative sort of thing that she can do on the stage and, and that's her dream you know I'm just doing all this to make ends meet while I make this happen um, you know it's yeah no it is grimy and dirty and there's there's all this crappy stuff going on but you know Cindy is gonna try to find joy in getting married And Alexandra uh, wants to find joy in singing. And I guess Dinah finds joy in smoking crack. Dinah (laughs) loves crack. For some reason, that felt like a John Oliver. Well, the character of Dinah is kind of interesting because she seems to just find joy in the ludicrousness of everything that's happening to her. And it's almost like everything's happening to her. And she's just like, you're so fucked up because of blah, blah, blah. It's like, this is just fucked up. And, uh, you know, she's walking around town with one shoe on. (laughs) Like, and then at a certain point, she, um, you know, she doesn't get to go back into the matron because the matron has called another person and says, so just hang. And then she she sits down outside, uh, you know, wearing uh, just, you know, shorts and a tank top and one flip-flop, kicks the flip-flop off. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But... I'm not quite sure if I'm making my point with Dinah here. That's probably a bad path to go down. (laughs) No, no. Dinah Dinah is valid. Also, there's an interesting thing with, yes, it is Christmas. But it's also Christmas in the middle of L.A. Uh, Yes. And it's apparently hot out. Yeah, it looks pretty It it could be colder in L.A. and this and that. It's certainly uh, bright. But it all takes place in the course of a day. So I think we're looking at, you know, 10A to 10P year for, for the timing. So, yeah, maybe now it is getting cold for Dinah sitting out there. Because, you know, L.A.'s warm, but you know it still gets down to the 50s overnight in December.
2: Oh, sure, yeah. No, no. <laughs>
1: like, um, but, no, I think that this is about joy and finding it where you can. Much like um, for these people who... And I... I don't want to say the wrong things here, um, but... So if I screw this up and it's offensive I apologize but what I'm saying is for these people who don't have a place in the greater world they have created this insular world to themselves where they r- there are roles but they run them uh, there are there are these um, relationships with people um, but they get to kind of determine the space of how those relationships interact Um, they have agency in this insular world so in the way that the movie is about finding joy in these small little things like the donut like the hey it's Christmas like uh, Alexandra singing the insular world is about finding your place where you know in that little tucked away corner that uh, of the the greater larger world right
2: right Rasmick too where is wrestling with this thing of well I've got my family and that's fine I have, I have my child I obviously love them but he's sneaking off to try to he's trying to locate his joy somewhere that the nuclear family that he's living with like doesn't quite at least doesn't entirely accomplish for him
1: right uh, so there's that, and that's our whole little side plot, and it's interesting with Rosmick. Um, I would assume that some people don't like that uh, subplot and that maybe feel like it's given too much time. Um, oh, I, I don't mind it, but, but why do you think? Well, I, I find it's... okay, so kind of the way that this is his particular um, uh... This is the s- sexual expression that he would like to express. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his part does this a very good service because it serves as to, you know, there's the idea, and I don't think this is a great idea, but it's out there. It's not my idea. It just is an idea that is said is that uh, men who are into uh, transsexual sex workers are using it as kind of a bridge to deal with their homosexuality, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that's necessarily... I think there's more space <laughs> in the whole sexual spectrum than homosexuality or straight or bi or, bl- like, there's more space in all of that. I don't think we need to categorize it that deeply, so that's why I don't like that particular point of view. But in utilizing uh, that character in the way that the film does, it kind of uh, creates a bridge for I would assume that a large amount of the population who's viewing this is in a heteronormative sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Just because that's kind of the fat part of the bell curve in society. Um, So he serves as a bridge to us into the narrative of the film. Okay, I see. I know I I hedge that all over the place and, and this and that. I I'm trying not to say anything wrong because to be honest I'm not that educated on this stuff and I want to be respectful.
2: No, no, and I think uh, I think all of our listeners appreciate your your careful perspective. Um, yeah, I guess, but like that that's what I like about Baker's Touch is like it uh, it doesn't try to figure Rasmic out. Like, so much that he becomes one thing. Like,
1: he, he's it just... It just explains his conflict.
2: Yeah, he, he's one more character in this movie that just, their joy and their existence lies somewhere outside of what, like, heteronormativity and just normal societal standards, like, moral standards um, are. Like, the way... Uh, and so, like... I like that he's not figured out. It's not explained why this is what he's into. uh, And we don't even know if maybe he's still trying to figure himself out, uh, which I don't know at the same time that he's the most in the most like nuclear family situation uh, makes him a part of this tapestry of, of people who are just like outside the norm. And, And that word, like I say that word and I'm like, that already like sounds judgy. Like to even say outside the norm is to acknowledge the norm, right? That's why uh, I put it as
1: the fat part of the baker. But the bell way
2: <laughs> the way Baker does it is so spontaneous and is so tuned into just like respecting the characters that th- that's what I dig. I think he gets us to that place about thinking about, uh, you know, marginalized people and people outside of the norm without it seeming like condescension.
1: Yeah, and I don't even think it ne- necessarily needs to be that he's figuring himself out. I think maybe he has himself. Figured out, but it's at odds with um, kind of what he's able to do inside of this the structure of the Armenian woman who's, who's found. Like she doesn't seem all that fussed about it. She seems fussed about the fact that she's being called into this situation and and yeah. being told that she needs to feel one way or the other other about it. It seems more along the lines of that. You know, his dealing with the thing is more to appease her mother and her traditional values of how their family should be.
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Because she does see that like, they, you know, that sometimes you have to adjust what your expectation is and what, what normalcy is supposed to be for you. A line that I really like, which I think I think people like, even in our situation can relate to, not just these characters, is when the mother's making a fuss of, like, his Christmas, like, he needs to go and he, or stay here, and she's like, actually, Mom, like, his Christmas is the 6th of January. Like right. Acknowledging that, like, people have to work jobs, they have responsibilities, families have complications and scheduling, all sorts of things. Like, people... And
1: also just, his culture is totally different than this uh, Western American culture.
2: Right, he says Christmas is for Americans, and like, to me, is kind of uh, tackling the fact of like these people still want to celebrate a holiday together but they kind of like have to make um compromises and adjustments to how they do that some people have to work over the holiday season so their christmas is, is on january 6th maybe or whenever it is but it's even she in that way is acknowledging like trying to pierce through this like suffocating sense of normalcy in a way. And because her mother-in-law is obviously the most, or her mother, his mother-in-law, is the most traditional, she's coming in with this very, like, no, no, it must be this way. A man stays home on Christmas. That's it. And it's like, no, once you've, once you've lived here, it's, uh, like, within this West Hollywood culture. It's a bit wiggly. It's
0: wigglier. It's yeah. wigglier.
2: And which is good. To me, is a very uplifting message. Like, everything is wigglier than we want to give it credit for.
1: Well, I I think we've touched on things pretty good. I have I have more to say, but I kind of want to save it for after understudy.
2: Well, I got to say what it's all about.
1: Oh. Oh, I thought <laughs> <laughs> you were just reacting to me. I'll, th- yeah, I'll let you go. Go for it, man. Go. Okay. Go man. Go.
2: Okay, so congratulations. You're what what it's all about totally wins cuz that is like you nailed it. It's the Baker thing. It's finding joy even in the direst of circumstances. I'm just going to go off here and say that it's also, in the best way, a Christmas movie that to me is actually about Christmas. Like, take for example one that I actually lo- agree is a Christmas movie, but has gotten some backlash as being a Christmas movie, and that's Die Hard. Like, there's been a discourse of like, is it? Like, are you just trying to sound clever saying that? And I'm like, well, there, there's some things, like the rejecting materialism that's like exactly. good Christmas stuff. But, baby, this one... To me, is like someone said, and I wish I could quote them. It's uh, probably one of the Vanity Fair people, or maybe someone on Blank Check, but a- an idea that I agree variety, with.
1: Variety, perhaps.
2: Perhaps vari- <laughs> No, probably not. No offense, Justin Chang or any of the Variety people, but maybe not Variety. Um, Justin Chang's a good egg, though. He's a good critic. <laughs>
1: um, we're not saying anything bad about anybody on we're this not podcast, bad,
2: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I listen to a lot of the Vanity Fair podcasts in blank check so it could be one of them or maybe david Ehrlich. anyway uh what was said was that a lot of the best movies not every good christmas movie but the best ones uh happen to be very melancholy they're working with the fact that like yes christmas is supposed to be joyful and you can have scenes that are joyful but what's interesting about christmas is also the um you christmas uh as we understand it in the popular imagination forces you a lot to think about this perfect ideal, but then also to think about what your actual reality is. And so I think really great Christmas movies often have this touch of like, it's Christmas. I want this to be so beautiful, but like now I'm eating Chinese food in my apartment. <laughs> like like what the uh, the disparity between Christmas as it's supposed to be in a child's imagination and what, what it means to actually be an adult um, and to kind of and some like middle ground of like a happy Christmas uh, which you know is, is very bittersweet and I think is what this movie is doing uh, especially in that uh, Toyland scene where it's like it's the the beauty of Christmas and but also it's like the sadness of the yearning for human connection and like and the pressure that comes with it I'm like wait no like n- most of the year if I'm a little sad whatever but I'm not supposed to be sad. It's Christmas. <laughs> um, so I think I just like how uh, Baker puts his stamp on the Christmas movie um, a, as a thing that's like, yeah, uh, that our romantic uh, ideals for ourselves and also the realities that we have to, to grapple with, I think, is uh, it makes it an actual, a great Christmas movie that to me really is. About uh, kind of the Christmas spirit in a substantive way, and not just like, okay and it happens to be Christmas. That's fun. Look, there, are, there's a Christmas tree. There's some lights. In fact, we don't see many Christmas trees here, and yet it feels more like a Christmas movie to me than many movies that that do have more Christmas decorativeness. Anyway,
1: sounds good to me.
2: It's about joy and melancholy, man, and the human human connection.
1: Yes, the human condition that pervades all walks of life. Yes. Although, more to say about that later. Uh, I have more what's it all about. I just,
0: well, you let's, do? let's break oh, it
1: up. Oh, cool. Off. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to do this understudy. Are you the first one or the second one?
2: I haven't decided, so.
1: Okay, I'll you're the it. second one. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, I got to do a thing where I click the thing.
0: We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors to do the scene from this screenplay, but we've got two understudies, and to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway, so try to catch the actors, try to guess the movies. Tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y Couch. This game called Understudy is happening, happening, happening. Right now. Well,
1: I'm uh, so sorry to keep you waiting. I've, uh, I'll have i have the creamed spinach over poached eggs. And a dry martini. <laughs> With an olive. I'll have the same. The meal or the... Oh, sorry. There's a waiter. <laughs> the meal or the drink? <laughs> uh, all of it. Thank you. Cigarettes? So, uh, what kind of name is Bellabet? It's Czech.
2: It's changed, originally. It's very original. Well.
1: And your first name? Therese. Therese? Not Teresa. No. Therese Belovit.
0: That's
2: lovely. And yours? Carol. Carol. Cheers. Cheers. So you... I'm sure you thought it was a man who sent back your gloves.
1: I did. I, th- I thought it might be a man in uh, the ski department. I'm sorry. No, I'm delighted. I doubt very much if I would have gone to lunch with him. Your perfume. Yes. It's nice. Thank you. Harg bought me a bottle a few years ago before we were married. Uh, I've been wearing it ever since.
2: Harg is your husband?
1: I'm sorry? Uh, yes, well, technically, we're divorcing. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't be. <laughs> and do you live alone, Therese Bellevent? I do.
2: Well, there's Richard. He wants to live with me. No, it's nothing like that. It's, he'd like to marry me. I see. Uh, would you
1: like to marry him? I barely know what to order for lunch. I'm starved. Bon appetit. And what do you do on Sundays?
2: Nothing in particular. What do you do?
1: Uh, Nothing lately. If you'd like to come visit me sometime, you're welcome to. Uh, At least there's some pretty country around where I live. Uh, Would you like to come out this uh, Sunday? Yes. What a strange girl you are. Why? Flung out into space.
0: that was understudy tweet us your answer at c-a-r-n-y couch yes everybody yes everybody yes everybody
1: that was understudy please do send us a twitter message which Brady I believe monitors and maintains the twitter Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, you know we'll see if you guessed the movie that that scene was from correctly or possibly the actors that we were Badly impersonating. Well, maybe Brady was doing a good job. I no. did my best. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I th- this
2: character. I'm giving away. It's a character. It's it's only. S- I have to say certain lines to get him right. Uh, normal dialogue sounds strange out of him. Anyway.
1: Well then. Well. Um. Normal dialogue sounds strange in this movie. That's why there's very little of it. <laughs> Because it's it's an insular world, as we've said, where, you know, like like I said early on in our discussion, uh, it's unclear to me whether or not when Cindy, also, by the way, spelled S-I-N-D-E-E. Yes. Cindy-rella. Is, um, you know, she's kind of walking around shit-talking to everybody else, but then also when uh, Alexandra's walking around, people are shit-talking her, and then she shit-talks them. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, Alexandra kind of does less of the shit-talk. I think when people are shit-talking her, she kind of does more of a, make sure you come to my show, okay, come to my show, okay? Be, be there at seven, seven. But she doesn't hand them flyers. Uh, right, right. No. So, so sh- her tack is, I'm gonna treat you the same way I treat everybody else. But I'm not really serious. I don't give a shit if you're there, bitch, because I'm not handing (laughs) you a flyer.
2: I mean, I think she does, but she's, like, very self-deprecating. Whereas, like, uh, Cindy's just, like, in everyone's face, and I think Alexandra's a more, like, this is my line, please don't cross it. Like, she's a very gentle person, but she can take care of herself.
1: So, um, getting back to the insular world. So there's an insular world which uh, Cindy... And Alexandra and Rosmeek are all pretty much in. Uh, Dinah and Chester, less so much.
2: Oh, I think Dinah and Chester are very part of it, too.
1: I think they're part of it, too. But I think they've, th- this is, again, something I'm going into with what's, I, I think it is also about this, is, you know, Chester doesn't show up till the end, till we're at donut time. Right. Where we have a clerk who's there going like, Hey stop making uh, I'm going to call the cops. I'm going to like she's part of the greater world, right? The right. clerk. And um Chester kind of having his base of operations there and and being part of that is as well. And I mean, in fact, his energy uh you know, despite the fact that he's with Cindy and you know, he he's he but and this is this is <laughs> this is where it's iffy again. But um He treats the world in a a more heteronormative way than other people do. Like, uh, in the insular world that we built up until that point. For instance, um, you know, like, he's he's the guy that Alexander says about the beginning all men cheat, right? All men this thing, blah, blah, blah. And he's Mm -hmm. the one going, You're fucking my bitches, right? Right. Right, Rosmeek? You're fucking my bitches. Right? Right. It's like, is this my shit? Like, the, the kind of ownership and that sort of energy that he brings towards it is a lot of what in, you know, um, uh, cultural criticism and, and so forth and so on is criticized as kind of the negative masculine traits. Sure. Uh, right? And like even to the point where um, when it comes out that he and Alexandra hooked up that one time. It's Alexandra's fault. That's the way he puts it. Yes, it is like, hey, you didn't tell her about that shit, did you? Where you fucked up. But like, he's, he's cheating on her. Yes, like that's, that's entirely him being shitty. But he's putting it on, the woman, the woman. in this particular case. So I mean, like, there's that sort of thing, and um, so. Sean Baker does a great job of building this entire world, which kind of progresses through um, untouched by the outside world until this ending, where Chester's behavior, um, the clerk calling the cops, which kind of makes them have to go outside and mm-hmm. and this and that. Um, I, I suppose also the uh, mother-in-law of Rosmeek is. I agree. Is also another tendril of that outside world punching in and stirring shit and and kind of stirring shit up and then also you know the the douche frat boys at the end who throw the uh the piss on uh cindy um and so like the thing is is that inside of this insular world uh cindy starts off with this this She's on the warpath and 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 boiling this stuff and anger and blah 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 and all this stuff is going on, and um, that all is just wrapped up in the tendrils of this insular world, and it blows up in their faces. She's pissed at Alexandra for having cheated with her fiance, mm-hmm. I suppose, and um, all these things. But what brings them back together and what makes them reconcile? Is that last final gut punch of the tendrils of the outside world throwing the piss on her, and and that's where we come back to the like out here it's all about our hustle and that's it. That opening quote, mm-hmm. um, which is basically saying, like, look, we need each other because yep. without each other we'd have to deal with all this shit, and all they're gonna do is piss all over us. Yep. And without each other, like we just don't have a place. Uh, right. So this insular world is where we must live, and, and what we must do. And uh, let's not forget that bitch. We gotta we gotta be <laughs> together.
2: Ah uh, yeah yeah that's right on man.
1: So I th- I think that's another thing. It's what's a, 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 aside from finding joy in the grime. It's the togetherness of the community in which uh, where you actually can belong and be who you are.
2: I agree yeah, it, it's uh, I would say it's also about survival it's whatever is is necessary to survive monetarily and psychologically even in, in a place that uh, barely has seems to have room for you
1: and and might I say also that um, the fact that it's literal piss that gets thrown on her uh, instead of a line where where it's like you know, you piss all over me, you piss all over the goddamn hamburgers <laughs> Instead of a line about people pissing on it Which we use figuratively in speech all the time That was a quote from Assassins, of course right. Sondheim and Weidman, which uh, you had me do as a monologue when I was in I do. Um, high school But um, we use, oh, you're pissing all over it all the time This just literally happens right? And like, that's, that's a fantastic touch
2: uh, yeah, and it gets us to that, that great ending, too. Um, it, it forces things to, to reset and to go back to that place of we need each other.
1: Well, and also, um, the conversation stops after uh, Alexandra gives her the thing, and we roll the credits over black with the sound of the laundromat washing it all clean again.
2: Good touch, yes. Like, like you know,
1: the world pisses all over us, and then we go... To the place where the machines make it all clean again Baptism like, Yeah <laughs> I, guess, I guess you could put it that way
2: You gotta have quarters <laughs> though You gotta get quarters for your baptism
1: uh, Right and of course those quarters and the money that um, Alexandra had Are from that bad encounter that she fucking left with the dude's money earlier
2: uh, At the oh beginning right.
1: neither of them had any money Right She gained that money during, during the day Throughout the entire thing, Cindy's on her warpath. She hasn't gained any money, and when everything falls apart, she's like, "Fuck it! I guess I got to get some money." Like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's that's the sharing of Alexandra going, "Well, I'm the one who got money today," and also there's a little tidbit in there where she paid the rent. She's broke. That's the last thing she had for the donut because she paid the rent for. Um Cindy's rent While she was You know oh, in drug right. court For 28 days
2: Right Yep Oh Other interesting thing uh, Just another little Like Christmas motif touch Uh Diana Tries to go back To the You know The main Sex hotel She's turned away No room at the inn
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah I, I thought th- Like The thing that was Uh Shitty about the that, well, and I guess it was kind of a message too. Is like, like uh, Dinah might not be in on the trans block and stuff, and, and more in this thing, but she's fucked too. Like, oh yeah, she's sitting out there with no shoes, and but like the matron doesn't go like, maybe I can throw you some clothes, <laughs> like a pair of jeans or some shit.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, th- absolutely. Uh, she is probably the most polarizing character because she. Uh, And a word I'm not going to actually use, because I don't think, I think Sean Baker's entire approach is anti this word. So I'm not going to say trashy, but she is the most, like, loud, uh, unapologetic about being antagonistic to people. And, you know, she's losing flip-flops all over the place, (laughs) and it's just like,
1: whatever, fuck you, fuck you. Well, actually, no, she keeps that one flip-flop the entire time. Oh,
2: that's right, until the end. She is not
1: losing anything until she just I don't know if that's um, a symbol. and I think we're, we're
2: obviously um, uh, given to have sympathy for her in that moment where she's locked out on Christmas Eve in the cold but at uh, the moment I like the most that like reminds us that even this person we should maybe have some degree of care for is when Cindy does her eye makeup and it's like okay I know we're fighting but like here we don't want you looking like shit let me, get, let me get your mascara
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's the insular world where She is in a place where she can kind of exist in both the greater world and that one yeah. um, I mean, maybe not literally in the plot of this movie But I mean, if you just think <laughs> about the implications of uh, You know, being a straight prostitute versus uh, And white s- Somewhere else Yeah, and white And versus somewhere else on the spectrum of sexuality and also gender identity. Yeah. That, like, that's a lot harder.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, truly.
1: So. I'm, I'm really glad. I, w- I want to give a, a, a shout-out to uh, Sandra Stryker, who was on the latest Dak Shepherd podcast. Uh, really helped me. I was really worried about doing this podcast and being able to discuss this stuff responsibly and not screwing up mm-hmm. um, but listening to that podcast Dak Shepard podcast is a good one he has lots of good guests on um, The Andrew Stryker interview kind of helped me contextualize okay so this is how I can talk and it's okay
2: so great man now you're, you're knocking it out
1: thank you I appreciate it <laughs> <that. laughs> well I mean you know uh, it's, it's the world today and uh, we're we've got a public presence on the internet we've got damn near 80... Some, wait, I've got more than 80 episodes. I don't know what episode we're on. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you know, uh, it's a minefield, right? We want to we want to say the right sure, things and, yeah. and not piss anybody off. And
2: yeah, and I, I hope we've discussed it in a good way and that um, any of you who haven't seen the movie that uh, anything we've said maybe entices you to go see it. It's Here's the thing. Gotta circle back here because... I I think we've had a good substantive discussion but I must remind you this thing is fun it's a lot of fun so
1: you know yeah it is and and the other thing too um, you brought up right away uh, trans women uh, you know that these two characters are trans women um, you know if if for some reason that that turns you off don't worry about it see this movie anyway because you it doesn't really come up <laughs> You're in their world, and you just get to live throughout the entire thing, and you don't really have to think about trans, this, that, blah, 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 you, you know, like there's, there's a phenomenon where people feel uncomfortable, right? Oh, right. And then there's the whole thing where communities have to make the people who are going to feel uncomfortable feel more comfortable, which is crappy. Um, but you, you don't have to (laughs) I'm probably fucking up by saying this, um I'm just saying, just watch the movie because it's fun and and you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Like, I know that we've had a lot of discussion about it, but you don't really need to, to enjoy the movie.
2: Yeah, well, what I'm saying is like, it's, um, Sean Baker's movies are an invitation to find empathy with people of all sorts of walks of life and, you know, many of whom you might not ordinarily see and always very economically strapped for the most part. but the thing about them uh, and why i wanted to stress that this isn't like homework is that they're incredibly spirited so yeah it, like you say if you're worried about this in any way or if you're worried about it feeling like a dour experience or you know this is something i should do for some like social reason really what it is is his films are just full of life they're they're among the most exuberant uh, and entertaining films, even the Florida Project, which is insane, how entertaining that movie is. <laughs> Given let's, where let's it all go ends to a up. buffet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: um, uh, yeah. That that's my baker pitch is come to learn about maybe a culture, uh, very, many cultures often smashed together that you might not know about, but stay for for the fact that this guy just makes like irrepressibly joyful movies even if even if they wrestle with a lot of sadness.
1: That that's his thing. Come to the buffet. Sample all the various different flavors available at the buffet. Please do. Uh do you wanna run away and do metacritical?
2: Um we could do that. I need a pen.
1: Okay. I've got you. I've got you my bro. I got a pen right here in my pocket. Hidden beneath my man difficult no.
0: Uh, I made a critical. Rob's never gonna win. I made Metacritical. critical. Brady's the victor again. Woo-hoo. So it's time to play. Woo-hoo. I'm gonna lose today. I made a critical. Yeah, it's time. Time.
1: Hey everybody! Metacritical, metacritical, metacritical. (laughs) It's like I gotta say, hey everybody, every, hey everybody, when we start the show, I gotta say, metacritical, metacritical, metacritical. When we start, metacritical. Um, This is the game where we're gonna look up movies on Metacritic, but before we look up the movie, we're gonna guess what the score is, and then the person who's closest will have a lower score and the Mm. lower scores the winner it's like golf numbers play along if you feel like it while you're listening to this and we'll jump right into it Brady why don't you pick the first movie
2: first movie first
1: movie goes to Brady let's see I've been on too much of a hot streak you got to give Brady some advantage here
2: we do we
1: really do Uh, okay I I don't think I won last time we played though I think I. uh, But the time before that I think yes I think I got very close
2: yeah, there have been some squeakers. Yeah, it's lately. been
1: the squeaker, and I've been turning the tide.
2: Quite right, quite
1: right. Yeah, it's like an arm wrestling match, and you're at, uh, we're, we're back at, well, we're not at 90, but I'm only at like five degrees off center. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm trying to think of what to do for this. Uh, maybe I mean, if you can't of think of, of think something, I could just say you, something you right go, now. You go
1: actually. Uh, we've done backdraft, huh? Yeah, I think so. I think we did. Okay, uh, freaking twister.
2: Twister. Okay.
1: I don't know. I'm thinking natural disasters or, or natural forces of uh, blah blah blah. But remember the cow, Brady. It's,
2: it's in the. It's up in the air. That, that's
1: worth a good sixty-five points just because of the cow. You're
2: probably right.
1: I, that's not my guess. I'm just saying that it's 65 I, plus whatever you think it deserves because the cow just oh wait, granted it 65 plus. Do I guess plus, first? Yes, right, because right. I picked the movie. Uh,
2: okay, I'm going to go with like uh, 42.
1: 42? So you're, you're saying that the rest of the movie gives it negative clout after the cow? Yes. <laughs> you're saying like, listen man, you're losing 23 points. Oh yeah. Good thing you had that cow. It's a good thing. <laughs> Okay, 42 I think is a little low for Twister, I think it was uh, mostly like, especially the guy doing Ride of the Valkyries while he's chasing Uh the storm, that, that, I loved that guy when I was a kid, I was just like, that is who I want to be, maybe, maybe I don't want to chase Twisters, but I want to be, I want to have wild, crazy hair and a beard,
0: hey, hey, I think I hit it,
1: wild hair, crazy hair, receding hairline, beard. Oh, okay, I'm going to give a guess. I'm going to say 52.
2: 52. You know, at one point in that movie, they watched The Shining. That That's a good movie in Twister, is The Shining. <laughs> is it now? Oh, shit.
1: It's green? 68. Man, I really underestimated this one. Yeah, I guess it only got three points, but it got that 65 for <laughs> the cow. Wow. Oh, shit. Now you're actually going to have to come up with a movie, though
2: yeah okay
1: now I can do it I can do it now
2: right <laughs> okay so I
1: feel like I'm being kind of mushmouth. maybe I'm talking too much
2: let's see Twister Disaster Movie isn't Sam Neill in it does that help you I think it's Paxton uh, and Helen Hunt Helen Hunt uh, Paxton Hunt We've played so much Metacritical. So that oh, come
1: now on. Like Spit something out. <laughs> if you can't think of a Bill Paxton movie, think of a Bill Pullman movie. Because <laughs> they're basically interchangeable. Okay. Wasn't there like um, a joke on SNL where they were doing that? And like, um, I, I was listening to an interview and they were talking about how like, uh, Bill Paxton came back against that. And he's just like, I don't like this joke because that doesn't happen. <laughs> and it's like, it 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 does happen. <laughs> And you're wrong. Everybody thinks you're the other guy.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'll stick up for him. I, I think it's unfair, but it's also funny. Well, today we call our
1: Independence Day.
2: <laughs> but you're right. I am going Bill Pullman. Because <laughs> I, I I feel like we've done as good as it gets. We've done like Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, I'm just going to go with Sleepless in Seattle. Okay.
1: We'll just type SL. OK, didn't come up. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. You put it down, I'll guess it. Um, I think this one would rate kind of high. Uh, maybe about as high as Twister. How about 68?
2: OK, 68. I think I'm going to go higher than that, because that's the only way I'm going to really Gosh. really do much. Uh, let me go with a 76.
0: OK, Sleepless in Seattle Is it 72?
2: Okay, that's that a puts a us dead even in the
0: middle. Dead in the middle. Cool, I'm still up.
1: Oh man, still up. All right, sleepless in Seattle, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. How about Toy Story? Toy
2: Story.
0: Okay. It's a good movie. There you I'm going
2: to go with a What do you think,
0: Woody?
1: 95 the year it came out.
0: Oh shit, I think that's
1: I think that would be a legit score For this movie But Metacritic is a fickle beast It can be And I think that's too high Could So be. But then what would they give the other Toy stories um, If I go too low Because like the other toy stories are also very good So they've got to be like 80 Like The toy stories all together would be like 80, 85 And one of them has got to be a 90 And maybe Toy Story 3 might even outrank the first
2: one Damn, um two might be really high. I I'm going to sure. go with
1: 88.
2: 88, that's a good guess. I got to hit a bullseye. I need a bullseye.
1: Toy Story from 1995 is 95. I got the bullseye. <laughs> Fuck, okay. But I still, I think I had more than five points on you. Uh, oh yeah, you're still up. Oh, but I I, but I lost seven more. So now I'm down. Damn it. That's three movies we've done? So you got, um, yeah, three. Okay, your choice for the next one. God damn it, I'm down and you're advancing. We got two more, right? Oh, it's
2: so close though.
1: I picked first, so I get three. That's good. Okay, so
2: Toy Story. Yes. Which has um, (laughs) actors of note.
1: Has John Lasseter
2: in it? Uh, Yeah, John Lasseter. He made it. Um, it also has Polashan. Fine. Have we done my dinner with Andre? We have not. Okay, I'll do that. My dinner with Andre.
1: I don't even know what this is. I'm assuming it's a documentary about Andre the Giant.
2: No, it's, it's just like two old friends in the crea- like one of them's a playwright, and they go and have dinner together and they talk. It's a great well, movie. Well, how good is it? It's a, I think it's a great movie, but Kay. it's also an easy movie to joke about. 80. I, I think it has, like, Simpsons jokes. Uh, okay. okay. 80. That's probably a good guess. I'll go a little higher with an 84. Going to be a
1: squeaker. Till
0: the 83. End. Oof
1: timid <laughs> that means you got one on that and I got three even though I was very very close you son of a bitch um, alright well I'm, think- yeah. I'm thinking about Toy Story and then I thought about Pixar and then I thought about Cars <laughs> and then I thought about uh, Paul Newman uh, uh-huh. doing a voice in Cars at the beginning or end or something oh yeah, uh, so I'm gonna go with uh, Cool Hand Luke
2: Ooh, Cool Hand Luke okay I guess first
1: yes it's
2: pretty well a classic so I think it's gonna be high how high pretty high let's go with a 92
1: this is so close 96 That was our first podcast. 92 is oh, dead on.
0: I <laughs> you motherfucker. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. All right, Brady, read them scores. Read them scores. Okay, it shouldn't take me long to read,
0: read them scores.
1: <laughs> 30 for you. You're dead on. I was off by no more than seven on every guess. That was insane. I think it was like seven, one, three.
2: Okay, that, whoa, that was a nice splatter. Okay, um, in the end, you got 30 and I got 21. Just
0: insane. i Metacritical. Damn you. Damn you, and
1: fuck you.
2: <laughs> oh man, there are a lot of close ones these days.
1: I played that so well. It was not so two bullseyes. At the end that I splattered ink well, from this old time Okay, ink well, wait a minute. Like you beat me by nine? Nine. With two bullseyes.
0: Yeah, I got So two if you had just
1: gotten the thing right, and those were zeros and zeros instead of negative fives?
2: Yeah, then, then you would have won by one. God damn it. Damn it. <laughs> I was completely saved by the bullseye system. Like in other words, if I'd not gotten those scores and gotten like the number above or if below if you were them, one
1: off, like even if we just didn't, yeah, okay, well that's how that, that's <laughs> how that freaking <laughs> happened. <laughs> incredible, incredible. Alrighty, um, do we have more to say about Tangerine? I think we we no, pretty I much think, wrapped it up.
2: I think we we did a lot.
1: Did you want to pick uh, n- uh, next week's movie?
2: Yeah, I've thought of the first one. When you come at me for the second, I'm gonna have to make it up. But I'm gonna suggest, because I know that Tess and Maddie would be into it, I'm gonna suggest The Damned United, which has two actors that they love. uh, Michael Sheen, Uh, my wife is very into Good Omens, uh, with Michael Sheen, and he's a great actor. And then we've been watching a lot of Star Trek, and The Damned United also has Mr. Colomini, the pride of Ireland. So, yeah,
1: I'm picking Damned United. You're picking the Damned United, are you, Keiko? All right. Chase! If that's the movie you think I should be Jesus Christ! If that's the movie you think I should be known for, okay.
0: (laughs) All right, Keiko, I'm going to go do something with Julian.
1: Um, (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go do a reiterate from last week uh, and do. Actually, I'm not going to reiterate from last week yet. I probably will on the second thing. But um Nevada Smith.
2: Nevada Smith. I believe that's the name of the movie.
1: Oh, is it? you're on the noir kit It's not noir. It's a western. Oh, a western. It's about... Okay. Uh, I wish I still had Metacritical open. Oh, I, I do. I'm dr- the other day I called it Arizona Smith in my brain to myself, and I couldn't... Figure it out But I think it's mm-hmm. Nevada Smith It is um, No It is probably Arizona Smith <laughs> uh, Fuck What I'm almost positive It's Nevada It's, uh, it's um, Come on He's in dun dun, Steve McQueen It's Yeah okay Nevada Smith is right Alright Steve McQueen His parents get killed Yeah And he goes on a vendetta To find Okay uh, Them
2: Oh, cool. What year is it from?
1: Uh, it is from 1966. Okay. Uh, filmed in Technicolor. Kind of cool. Kind of cool.
2: That sounds cool. That sounds yeah, cool. Yeah, so I'm going
1: to put up uh, Nevada Smith as a the thing. There's another movie that I'm, that I'm thinking of. Well, I'll let you pick your next one. Go ahead.
2: Okay, for my next one, I will go with. Uh, oh, I know. I'll do. A Coen Brothers that I haven't... No, no, you know what? I'm going to do a Coen Brothers I just watched, but I liked it a lot. Uh, I'll suggest Barton Fink.
1: Okay. Okay. That's a possibility. I'm going to suggest The Deep, which is a a horror movie... Well, it's it's like a suspenseful movie about a shipwreck in the Bermudan waters in uh, 1977. Hmm... And it's got Jacqueline uh, set Bisset, in it, so. Okay. You know, she's she's hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> that goes.
2: Okay, so that's our four.
1: Let's do another one.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, so I do one more. I am going to go with. I'll throw out Gremlins too.
1: Okay, and I'll put up. Uh, you'll you'll never believe me. Which is one I put up last week Which is that noir about, oh, the, right. about the guy Who kind There's of a runs afoul of, of societal standards And puts himself on trial Regardless of the actual trial that's going on against him Right Okay, do you want to put up one of yours Or do you want to put up one of mine I'll reciprocate Okay. Or I'll put up one of mine
2: I Let's do the reciprocate thing I'm curious to see what you pick Okay, I'm, I uh, you kind of got me interested in the McQueen Nevada Smith.
1: Okay, that would be an interesting one to discuss. I, I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've seen bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, cultural relevance <laughs> galore on uh, is this okay now or well, it's not but that'll be it that'll be a discussion. And then I'll put up Barton Fink because I haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm very partial to the Damned United though.
2: Um, um, I was hoping Barton Fink.
1: We'll go to Damned United some other day.
2: Okay, we'll get there. It it has uh it has a lot of priority for me, so I'll I'll be throwing it out because we can get Maddie and Tess on the cast that way.
1: Okay. All right. Well, uh, you want a one two three shoot for it? Yep. Do you want evens or odds? I want odds. Okay, so I'll take evens. If it's even, we do Barton Fink think Barton feet. Barton feet. Barton's feet. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Quentin Tarantino version <laughs> of the movie. Um and if it's odd, then we do uh, Nevada Smith.
0: Yep. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It'd be
1: nice to watch a young Steve McQueen. Ah uh, yeah. Sixty six, he's pretty young at that point, right?
2: He plays a kid. Yeah. I mean it's like his heyday, but like it's he's he's young, I think. Yes. Alright.
1: One, two, three, shoot!
0: Odds. Uh, so that's Barton, Barton Fink? Barton uh, Fink. You win in
1: everything these days. Sorry. Sorry? Are you really?
0: I don't, A little. I don't think you are entirely sorry. Well, do you have anything to add, Brady? Mm, no, um... Oh, I forgot to ask the most important question of the day. How are you doing today, my man?
2: I am doing good. I'm doing good. I, I need to get back to watching some movies, though. Uh, I've, I've taken... I, well, see, I'm giving away that we took some time off between the movie and this cast. But whatever. We do that sometimes. But, you know, I'm doing good.
1: Good.
0: Yeah, I'm it's doing good. all
1: right. It's Memorial Day today th- as we record this. It is. Happy Memorial
0: Day. So
1: lots of people got a three-day weekend. Monday's my normal day off, so I didn't get shit. I don't think I even get holiday payback for that it. That sucks. Uh yeah, no. It keeps happening with all these damn Monday holidays. Alright, Chet Farrow was mentioned. Did you mention anybody?
2: No, not that I know.
1: Alright. Well. With that to be said, as always,
0: bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Carnivorous Couch It happens once a week It swallows us for two hours When we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film About which we then speak Carnivorous Couch With Brady and Rob Oh fuck that bitch Oh no hell no bitch (laughs)